How do you eat an elephant? Pastors Mark and Brenda, for those of you who may not have been here this morning, they're out celebrating their 39th wedding anniversary. And it is a glorious thing because they truly are such an example. Again, we're so blessed to have this wonderful pastors who are so in love with each other. And they just keep their marriage fresh by continuing to invest in it, Pastor Tom. Glory to God. And so we just bless them in the name of Jesus. So how do you eat an elephant? Well, I'll tell you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time by the grace of God. Amen. You know, living in the Bay Area makes you feel like you're eating an elephant every day. Isn't that true? We live in a fast-paced environment where the busyness of life and the hustle and bustle of traffic alone can turn a 20-minute commute into over an hour. Isn't that right? You know, it takes 20 minutes to get practically anywhere. If you're going to Target, if you're going to Walmart, if you're going to the bank, to the store, to the grocery store, it's a good 20 minutes just to get there. I know my son and daughter-in-law just returned from Nebraska after being there two and a half years, and it would take them 10 minutes to get across town. So they're kind of in for a little culture stock and getting readjusted to living in the Bay Area. So here's a question for you. You know, living in the Bay Area can cause a lot of stress. Is stress good or is stress bad? Well, actually, let's talk about stress for a minute. Stress, actually, there's several different types of stress. And there really is a good stress. It's called eustress. Eustress. You can look it up. It's E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And that's the kind of stress that helps us to manage our life. It helps us because, you know, sometimes it makes you feel excited about things. Sometimes it makes you feel alive about things. You know, like you go to get on a roller coaster and there's just this excitement and a little bit of stress there. It's a good kind of stress. It helps to motivate us to be productive. And that's a good thing. This stress triggers excitement, and it triggers hormones that affect emotional well-being. So there is a good kind of stress. Then there is something called short-term stress, or it's called also acute stress. And acute stress can boost your immune system also, and it does that through the fight-or-flight response. You know, if you suddenly... Um, have to slam on your brakes because the car in front of you stops. There's a fight or flight, you know, response that happens in your amygdala. And, and, you know, generally speaking, it takes about 90 minutes or so for your metabolism to return to a natural or normal state after you experience fight or flight. But it actually can be good for you because what happens is when you have a fight or flight um, response, your body starts to work and your, you know, your immune system starts to work and starts to go to fight off whatever it is that's coming against us. So it can be a good thing if it's not prolonged. But then there is something that's called chronic stress. 
And chronic stress is toxic stress. And it's not good for us. And this kind of stress comes when we repeatedly face stressors that take on a heavy toll on our bodies. They take a heavy toll on our emotions. They take a heavy toll on us spiritually. They're very taxing. And it's something that, again, could be caused because of relationships or because of family or because of, you know, just financial issues, health issues, work issues. It causes us sometimes to be fatigued. It can cause you to be mentally fuzzy. You're trying to think. You're trying to get your thought processes going, and you're, you're fuzzy because you're, you're so stressed out. You can't think about what you've got to do. It leads to depression. And sometimes it leads to something that is so overwhelming it's more than one can bear. It's called burnout. And the definition of burnout is simply this, having more responsibilities than you have resources. And so you have to really pay attention to your resources. Your resources could be natural resources, time, money, treasures, your talents, your gifts. Or it could be spiritual resources, emotional resources, and yeah, even mental resources. And so when you have more responsibilities or more outgo than you have resources, then that causes burnout for a person. So let's talk for a minute about how we can overcome that kind of chronic stress, where we get into a routine of thinking a certain way because of we're overwhelmed by that which is around us. See, it, it may not be in you, but it may be around you. The important thing is to don't let it in you. But let's talk about that kind of stress for a minute. So again, the question is, how do you eat an elephant? The things in our lives that cause stress can be huge, like an elephant. And again, the answer is going to be the same. It's going to be one bite at a time. How do you overcome stress that life brings? One thought at a time. Thoughts can become overwhelming, amen? And when they flood us, we have to stop on the onset that flood of whatever is overwhelming you coming into your soul and affecting your being. Every one of us deal with these three types of stressors every single day. Um, you know, it will not, if you, it, it's not that you will have stress. It's not if you might have stress. You will have it. It's the, 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 the thing that's important is to know this. How do I deal with this stress? How do I manage this stress? That's the answer to the question. So last week we had VBS, and it was wonderful. But when you're in those kind of situations, VBS is like conference mode. And conference mode means that there's extra things on your plate. 
So you experience several different kinds of levels of stress. You go in and out of them. Oh, we don't have enough kids signed up. Oh, now we have too many kids signed up. We don't have enough workers. What about this situation? What a, it takes months of planning to, to really pull something like that off, to make it a ministry of excellence. It takes a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of heart, a lot of prayer, a lot of preparation. It's an amazing, amazing thing when we come together because everyone does have a, a supply. But you know, it's like spinning plates. There's lots of plates spinning. And you got this one over here spinning. And you got to run back over here to make sure this one doesn't fall because you don't want to drop anything. And this is, this is an addition to, now I'm speaking about how when you have extra things come into your life. And it's in addition to what you're already doing. And your plate is already full. You've already been, you know, down to, uh, what do they call that place down there? The, the, the buffet. And your plate is full. And so, here's what I know about these things. When God is in it, he gives you grace equal to your circumstances. And it's grace for you, not for someone else. So whatever your part is in it, the grace of God will be on you for it. So don't frustrate the grace of God through thoughts of fear, thoughts of doubt, thoughts of unbelief. How is this all going to get done? How do you do it? One bite at a time. How do you manage the stress? One thought at a time. Now, I was thinking so much this morning as Pastor Tom was ministering. What an outstanding message. It wasn't just a home run. It was a grand slam. If you were not here, get the CD. If you were here, get the CD. Amen. The grace of God is so good. But let's look at Isaiah 57 that Pastor Tom brought out some things there that were so excellent. Isaiah 57 verse 15. And I'm just going to bring out a little part of this. It says, I dwell in the high and holy places. And he talked about where does God dwell? God dwells in the high and holy places. He dwells in higher thoughts, not lower thoughts. He, he dwells in thoughts of fear, not in thoughts of faith, not fear. Amen? That's where he dwells. And then it goes on to say something else. He dwells with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. You see, a contrite spirit is a broken spirit. It's a spirit that's stressed out. It's a spirit that needs God to come in. And he says that not only does he dwell there, but he revives the spirit of who? The humble. So again, exactly what Pastor Tom was saying this morning is, you know, where does God dwell? In the heart of the humble. And so when you have a project, when you have things that come into your life that are bigger than you, 
that feel like they're more than you can manage. You have to know something. That you have to come and you have to humble yourself. And you have to say, God, I need your help. I need your grace in my life for this assignment. It may even be a prayer assignment. It may be something that somebody, God put in your heart to do for somebody else. Coming alongside of them. Encouraging them. Helping them along the way. Whatever it is, God's grace does for you what you cannot do for yourself. So never fear. Grace is near. You just got to receive it. Amen. Hallelujah. You just got to receive it. Now, God has a part and you have a part. And that's important to know. Because God says that he's going to revive the spirit of the humble. So God's part is to revive you. That means to bring back to life. It means to cause you to be prosperous in all your ways, in all that you do. It means to prepare you for fresh activity. That's what the word revive means. So that's God's part. But again, your part is to humble yourself and receive for him. Because you know, in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. And the nothing is what tries to stop people from doing something. Because you think, well, what good's it going to be if I just come to VBS one day? Oh, it did a lot of good because somebody else couldn't be there. And because they couldn't be there and you were there, we were able to carry on. Your supply makes a difference. Your giving added to someone else's giving, added to someone else's giving added to someone else's giving, becomes multiplied. And God can do something with that. But he can do nothing with nothing. So don't hold back. Give what you have. Amen? And when you sow it, God does something with it. Just like the little boy with the two fishes and the five loaves who came to God because he knew that God could do something with his lunch. That's childlike faith. There was a multitude of 5,000 men plus women and children. That's like 20,000 people. And that little boy believed that God could do something with his lunch. Did God do it? Yes, he multiplied it. And everyone was astonished. Amen. So come in faith with what you have and bring it and give it. Now, two other scriptures that you covered this morning I just briefly want to talk about. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Glory to God. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall again do what? Humble themselves. It's not God humbling you. It's again you Coming to God, that's your part. If you will humble themselves and pray and do what? Seek my face, turn from our wicked ways, then God says, I will hear. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and do what? 
heal their land. Do you want the land of your life healed? So this could be a corporate prayer, but it also could be an individual prayer where God comes in and heals areas in your life. Some areas you may not even be aware of that need healing. You may be in denial about them. You may not be aware of them. But God says he will come in and he will heal your land. He will heal the land of your life. Okay, the next one was 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. And again, this ties back into the message tonight. Again, God says he resists the what? The proud. But he gives more grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves. Again, God is saying, you do it. It's your responsibility. Humble yourselves. Which way should I go, Lord? How should I do this? Who should I call? That was me last week. Okay, Lord, who should I call? How are we going to do this? And he shows you. He connects you. Sometimes, you know, you'll see it one way, and another time you'll just run into the person. It's amazing. Or sometimes somebody else will say, hey, did you think about so-and-so? But God will gather your resources. He will gather your supplies. And it's a glorious thing. Now remember, he has the answer to how you have to get to the other side. And that's where we're headed. We're headed to the other side. Again, at VBS last week, we focused each day on a different person in history. And one day we talked about Noah and how Noah followed directions from God. He followed directions to build a boat. And when God tells you to build a boat, you do what? You build it. It may be on dry ground. It may not make sense. It had never rained before. What is he doing? It took him a 100 years. He was a 100 years old. And I tell you what, he was the only righteous ones on this planet Earth. Can you imagine the persecution that he suffered, the ridicule, the fatigue? What am I building this boat for, Lord? Build the boat. Why am I doing this, Lord? Build the boat. A hundred years is a very long time. And you can get weary in the process. Sometimes God speaks to us to do things. And it takes a very long time. But he followed directions. He was faithful to God. God remembered him. God knew him. Because his heart was towards God. That was the reason. And you know what? The very thing that he did to follow directions was the very thing that saved not only his life, but his family and those with him. So, you know, don't get fatigued on the journey. Don't be weary in well-doing. Just keep sowing 
what God puts in your heart. Keep doing what he's called you to do. And if it takes a hundred years, he'll provide that which you need for the hundred years. He'll provide grace for you like he did for Noah. It was not anybody else's grace. When I think about building a boat for a hundred years, I think about no way, Jose. But it wasn't my grace. It was Noah's grace. Sometimes we can't understand how other people do certain things. It's by the grace that God puts on them. Yeah, their grace equal to their circumstances. Aren't you glad? Then we talked about the next day, we talked about Jonah. And Jonah was a prophet. And he had a message that God had given him that he was responsible for. He was supposed to go to the city of Nineveh. But he chose uh, otherwise. He chose to get on a boat, another boat again, and he went the, the opposite direction. And when he went the opposite direction, I mean, all, well, I guess you could say H-E-L-L broke out. There was a storm, a violent storm. He had gone to the uh, below deck and was asleep. And the storm was gotten so bad that they were about to all perish. And he awoke, he came up, and he realized, hey, this is happening because I disobeyed God. So he told the crew members, throw me overboard. That takes some faith. That wasn't a selfish act. So he was thrown overboard. We know the story. God had prepared a big fish, and the fish swallowed him, swallowed him up. Sometimes, when we're in the midst of a long journey, it feels like a fish swallowed us up. We're in the belly of a fish, and sort of like Jonah, it stinks, it's dark, it's scary, it's overwhelming. You don't know what's going to happen. It feels hopeless. You feel helpless. But Jonah called on the mercy of God. And even though it was his own fault, God delivered him. And he delivered him so well. He was in the belly of that fish as a type and shadow of Jesus three days and nights. And when God caused that fish to throw him up, spit him up, he spit him up on dry ground. He didn't spit him up in the middle of the sea and say, hey, good luck with that. He spit him up on dry ground so he could make that choice again. God's a God of the second choice. Amen? The second chance. And did he go to Nineveh? Yes, he did. Did he preach to the people, you better repent? You better turn from sin. Yes, he did. Did the people turn? Yes, they did. What a story. Amen. Glory to God. Then the last person that we talked about was Peter. And Peter was one who, again, was on a boat. And he was in the middle of the sea with the disciples because Jesus had sent them ahead. Here was Jesus who had just had a tragedy in his family. His cousin John the Baptist had had his head chopped off, and he was killed. And this was the man that really had revelation of who he was. He was that voice 
that was crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He was the one that knew he must decrease so Jesus could increase. We need to know that too. We've got to decrease so he can increase in us. And so he had just had that situation, and right after that, the, he, you know, he didn't turn and retaliate with violence back. He turned around, he said, I'm going to fix you, Satan, and he went and healed the sick. And again, after healing the sick, there was a multitude, and they were left with no food, and that's where the little boy with the fishes and the loaves came in. And so they had fed the 5,000, that's a long week. I think VBS is long, I think that's pretty long. Yeah, so he decided, okay, here's what I need. I need to pull myself away. I need to be alone with my father so that he can revive me again. So Jesus pulled himself away, and you're going to have to pull yourself away too so that he can revive you. And so as he pulled himself away, he sent the disciples on ahead. And they were out in the midst of the sea, and the sea was rough out there. And all of a sudden, they looked, and they saw something coming. And they thought it was a ghost. And so they cried out, and all of a sudden, Peter recognized that it was Jesus. And he said, Jesus, if that's you. And Jesus said one word, come. Do you know that there's power in one word from God to you. And so upon that one word, come, Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water, walking towards Jesus. And he was doing real good until... Until he looked around and he saw the waves and he heard the wind. And when that happened, he took his eyes off of that word that God spoke to his heart. And when you take your eyes off the word that God speaks to your heart, you will begin to sink. And Peter began to sink. And he began to drown. He was going under for the third time. But Jesus didn't say, well, too bad, Peter, because you took your eyes off of me, you know. It's your own fault. No. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. And he looked at Peter, and he stretched out his hand, and he lifted him up, and he saved him. And he will do that for you too. He will save you when you feel like you're drowning. He'll save you when you feel like you're going under and you can't bear all that is going on around you. But we can learn something from Peter. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on him. You, um, you have to think of it this way. Again, it's like an elephant, one bite at a time. One issue at a time. 
You know what I found that is when I'm walking in the grace of God, and I do every day, I draw on his grace. But when I begin to step out of the grace, it's like, you know, I'll start thinking about, okay, what about I have to do this, you know, tomorrow? You start thinking about thoughts of, what about tomorrow? That doesn't mean you can't plan for things, but when you take the care, it's like taking an extra bite of the elephant. It's too hard to chew. It's too much in your mouth. And you, you try to swallow that, I'll tell you what, there's no way that you're going to digest that right. You're going to have digestion problems, amen? Because you ate too much. And the same thing is true when you take on too much. And you get outside of the grace of God. Jesus said this, he said, take no thought for the morrow. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I like the message translation that says, living faithfully is enough task for today. It is good. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, don't let it be afraid. You see, it's your belief system is what throws you into toxic stress. It's what you believe about yourself, what you're saying to yourself, what you're saying about the situation. It's your perspective. Where, you know, you could be dealing with good stress and it could turn into bad stress. Simply by the perspective you choose to take and the thoughts you choose to meditate on. The word says, choose this day. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the word that says, take no thought for tomorrow? Or are you going to serve yourself and be anxious about tomorrow? It's really serving yourself because you're trying to figure it out. And maybe there's a God thought attached to it where there's a little boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. Amen? So, Again, the Word of God tells us to meditate on the book, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Meditate on this book, both wit, day and night, to observe, to do it. It says, don't let it depart from your mouth. Don't let the Word of God leave your lips. Keep speaking the Word. That's how you're going to get through it. Because when you speak it, you hear it. When you hear it, it gets in your heart. When it's in your heart and in your mouth, that's where faith is profitable. It's got to be in two places, in your heart and in your mouth. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 through 9. We're going to look at the New Living Translation. And this, this is really good because it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which extends anything we can understand 
His peace will guard your heart. It will guard your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, good report. Amen. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me and everything that you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Amen? That's the word of God. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, ask him. That's again humbling yourself. And then it tells you the next thing to do. Think on. Where is your thought life? My friends, your thought life has to be lined up with the word of God to have the peace of God. If you want what God says you can have, you've got to do what he says you must do. You must put a guard around your thought life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 23 in the Amplified. Your thought life is a gateway to your soul. And your soul connects the heart of man, your spirit, to your physical being, your brain. It stands in two places, your soul does. As a foot in the spirit and a foot in the physical being and how your brain works. So let's read this. Keep putting into practice all you've learned. Uh, it was Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. 23, 23. Proverbs 4, 20 to 23 in the Amplified. Thank you so much. For there shall be no reward for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked shall be put out. No, it's 20. Proverbs 20. I'm sorry. Maybe I typed it wrong on, on the paper. So Proverbs 20. No, Proverbs 4, 20. Thank you. You all know because you're smart. You know what it says. But don't let your mind think that you know what it says without your heart having revelation of what it says. Amen. Proverbs 4.20. My son, attend to my words. Can sit and submit to my ways. 21. Let them not depart from your sight and keep them in the center of your heart. 22. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. The issues of life come out of your heart. So you have to guard those gateways. You've got to be careful what you see, what you watch, what you hear, what you speak. Amen? You've got to be careful about the people you hang around with and what they're saying. Because, again, it's contagious. It'll get off on you. And you've got you've to choose to rewire your brain. Your brain is neuroplastic. And it, that means you, your brain changes. It changes with your thoughts. And you can create new pathways. If, if you've been a person in your past that's been a worrier, you can change that pathway. It takes some time. But you can change it. You know, if you're, if you're in a cabin in the snow and you get out and there's a pathway shoveled, it's easy to go down that pathway. But if you want to go a different direction, you have to track through that snow that's up to your waist. It takes some effort, doesn't it? 
You got to work it down and work it down. You might have to go back and forth, you know, a hundred times for a hundred years. No, a hundred times, you know, to get the snow packed down so that the pathway is clear. And that's what happens in your brain. When you take the right kind of thoughts, see your brain was created for life. And when you take the right kind of thoughts because God created your brain for life, you take good thoughts, thoughts of faith, thoughts of love, thoughts of believing, believing thoughts, and you resist thoughts of fear. You know what happens? It creates these little connections in your brain, these neurons that build beautiful trees. Instead of unhealthy trees in your brain, those little neurons you see on the commercials, you have beautiful ones. And they connect one another with life. Otherwise, they connect with death. And you have a pattern of thinking. So that maybe you're thinking and you're always depressed. You're always anxious. You have anxiety. You have worry. You have fear. You have to change your pathways by changing what you're thinking. And create a new habit. So that you create new pathways that lead to life. So that pretty soon, you know, you do this over a period of time, and pretty soon you have, you have a new way of living, a new way of thinking. And you're not thinking about what might terribly go wrong. You're thinking about what awesomely is going to go right. Amen? And that's where there's peace and joy. Hallelujah. So you rewire your brain. Let's see. How much time do we have? You know, some other things that can really help you are natural things, like getting enough sleep. I think we're sometimes all sleep deprived. And so there's things that you can do, you know. You can make sure that you get to bed at a certain time. Make sure that you... Turn, you know, devices off, that there's not light in the room, and you sleep a good seven to eight hours every night. Some other things that will help to reduce stress in your life, the bad kind of stress, is to eat a good diet, you know? The other thing is exercise, that word that, you know, sometimes we don't want to hear, but, oh, it feels so good when you do it. It releases endorphins. It helps you so much. It helps your body to stay healthy. Just walking, just walking is all you need to do. You can do that, can't you? Amen. How about serving others? You know, that's a really good thing to do to, resi- to reduce your stress. Sometimes when people are stressed out, we hear this a lot. Well, I'm just so stressed out, I can't do anything else. I can't look outside myself is what they're saying. I, I just, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I just can't do it. But did you know that actually um, 68% of more good chemicals are released in your body and it, pro- it boosts your immune system and it improves your heart rate and it produces more peace when you simply serve? I mean, your body might be tired, but hey, tell it to shut up and go anyway. And you get there and something begins to happen. Something very spiritual on the inside of you that affects your natural being. When you get up and you go and you serve others. It reduces your own stress and you know what? You even forget about it. Amen? 
It's a good thing. Here's another good thing to reduce stuff. Pay attention to what's draining you. Yeah? That's a good one. You got to be paying attention, though. And then when you find that something's draining you, make a change. How about this? Have a good rhythm of life. Worship, prayer, work, rest, play, laughter, you know, eating the elephant one bite at a time. That's what I so love about Pastors Mark and Brenda because they have one of the best rhythms of life. And that's why they're not burnt out after 35 plus years of ministry. It's very rare that you see pastors in the same church more than a few years. But they know how to do life and do it well. And they laugh a lot. Amen. They work hard. They worship deeply. They have a committed prayer life where they fellowship and hear from heaven. They rest well. Amen. And that's a good thing. That helps you to keep on going. It helps you to thrive and live long and live strong. 3 John chapter 2 and verse 1 says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So your soul has to prosper again through your thought life. And when your thought life prospers, your emotions prosper, your mental state prospers, your will begins to get connected to his will. So these are all things that help you. Remember when I, I was uh, speaking about crossing over to the other side? And again, I was saying those are the words that Jesus had. Let's cross over to the other side. And he was in the boat, and there was, you know, things that were threatening his life. He didn't allow wrong thinking. He didn't allow fear. He didn't allow doubt. They said, don't you care that we're perishing? This was another situation in a boat again. <laughs> and so, you know, the thing that I just so love about this story is that Jesus didn't let, you know, what was starting to happen was water was coming into the boat, remember? And I like to liken the water to thoughts. So when you have the wrong thoughts coming into the water, like the disciples did out there, and they were so anxious and they were trying to wake Jesus up because, hey, don't you care, we're dying, they're going under. See, water in your boat will sink the boat. Isn't that right, Jonathan? Water in the boat is not a good thing. So the wrong thoughts in your boat will sink your boat. So you want to keep your boat afloat? Think on those things that are lovely, pure, good report. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise. Some things that are true, they're still not lovely. Don't think about them. They'll steal your joy. They'll steal your peace. You've got to keep your water out of the boat. Amen? Glory to God. Father, we just thank you so much that you're helping us with these issues of life. See, stress is an issue of life. And maybe it's an area where, you know, maybe you've done well, but you could do better with your thought life. I know this. I want to be free, and I want to be free indeed. Now, I heard, uh, as we're closing right here, I want to tell you a little story about T.D. Jakes. I was listening to a message of his. I listened to him a lot. 
And I'm telling you, he was preaching this message, and this one part just leaped out at me because it was something God wanted to bring to my attention. And he was talking about being free indeed. And he said, Lord, what does that word indeed mean? And he looked through uh, the concordances. He looked through different scriptures. He looked through um, commentaries. He couldn't find what the word indeed meant. And so he said, Lord, what about that? And he said, so the Lord used something really interesting to illustrate what indeed meant. And so you remember, you know, uh, several months back where there was these men that escaped prison on the east coast you heard about that on the news and they were on the loose and there was everybody looking for them he said the lord showed him that they were free they were free from prison they were out of prison they were free but you know what they weren't free to go anywhere they wanted to go they weren't free to do anything they wanted to do they were not free indeed I said, Lord, I want to be free indeed. Help me to see what I don't see by your grace so that I can be free indeed. And so I encourage you to pray that prayer. Lord, I want to be free indeed. Amen? And he will show you little areas of your life where maybe your thought life has bound you up and you're not free, but you're under worry, you're under fear, you're under really maybe unbelief, anxiety, and you want to be free indeed. He will help you by the grace of God to be free indeed.